we are unmistakably us so maybe we just don't know how to be inauthentic in that way you know what i'm saying and you ask what but being authentic means and we just live in it you know what i'm saying i'll never brag how real i keep it it's the best secret bird denies hey y'all you are listening to another episode of the spiritual homegirl where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit but from the homie perspective somebody that's going through the journey day by day just like you Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, the Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now, before I get started, you know I cannot go into any episode um, without thanking you all for listening. Out of tens and thousands of podcasts that are in podcast land, you choose to lend me your ears once a week for about an hour or so, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. I got a reminder of why I do what I do from a user named KikiCakes1 on Instagram. She hit me about a week ago. And she said, hey, I just found your podcast. You know, thank you for being you. I'm going to go back and dive into some other episodes and catch up. And that made me feel good because in a world that goes based off of instantaneous results and microwavable success, to know that I have something that is able to help people, whether it was when the episode first came out back then, whether it's somebody jumping in now and kind of catching up, that makes me feel good because that's the purpose of why I do what I do with Spiritual Hunger. It is to help people. It's to be of service to people. So it feels good to know that um, somebody can dive in in the middle of episode, what, 48 and binge it like a series on Netflix. So that kind of <laughs> that makes me happy to know that I have a body of work that can do that for some people. So that makes me feel good. Also, for those who have not gotten their tickets for Make the Peace with the Day Workshop, you have two more days. If you live out of town, please hit me with an email at spiritualhomegirl.com or you can find me on social media, Spirit Homegirl on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Spiritual Homegirl and let me know that you would like to live stream and we'll make accommodations for you. For those who live in Atlanta and want a physical ticket, we have under 10 seats left. So definitely get in where you fit in. Um, this is not a ticket um, sold at the door kind of situation only because this is not an event that's coordinated with the inner space. We are using their facilities to do our event, though, so it wouldn't be something that you can go to the counter and buy your tickets for. So definitely get your ticket at spiritualhomegirl.com forward slash shop and get in where you fit in. Like I said, under 10 seats. I'm really excited to partner with Dr. Giselle Cunningham, um, who is a nationally and state-recognized uh, licensed uh, mental health professional and counselor, and she can also supervise uh, clinicians as well so she definitely is um, a person who knows what she's talking about so I'm really excited about the interactive activity she has for you as well as the knowledge she's going to give and the gifts that we have for you on the way out so I'm super excited um, even more exciting is this week's guest and as it's something about interviewing your friends that's really dope and it's even doper when they're friends of the show too you know what I mean so they're like friends but they also like are down with the doing with spiritual homegirl and I'm really excited that they are able to come out from behind the scenes in front of the microphone for you all this episode. And the title of this episode is called Crew Love. The reason why I called it Crew Love is because the world-famous honor roll crew has been around for over 10 years. And 
there are many members, but I was able to interview three. The three that I know pretty well, which is uh, Wiz Ward, the visionary, as I call him. You'll understand why once you hear him speak. This man, is a, is, he's a man with a plan, and he has a vision, and he has every intention on seeing that vision through. Then you have Chacademics. Chacademics is dope. Chacademics is, he's almost like, what do I like to call him? He's like a Bay Aryan Mozart. And the reason why I say that is because he's so talented and he's so versatile with the music that he creates. And um, he has the ability to relate to everybody creatively from all walks of life. So it makes me really happy to, um, he's like a shapeshifter, I would say, like a musical shapeshifter. And then you have 108K who was the baby of the crew, but now he's coming to his own as his own uh, artist, solo, out front, you know, his own man. So, you know, it's really cool to see everybody in their respective positions in this crew all work as individuals getting a group goal done. So, you know, it's almost like some people judge a crew success by solely the crew, but I think with honor roll, Everybody individually being successful helps the crew be successful, if that makes sense. So they're all based out of the Bay Area, mostly Oakland, Alameda, California, San Francisco. And they all moved down. Well, these three have moved down to L.A. And while I was in L.A., I was able to interview them um, a couple days ago and just pick their brain on what it's like to want to have a collective, have a mission, be able to find members for this collective to achieve the mission and how you guys or how they, in this case, um, solve the challenges and the obstacles that come from that. So I will let them tell their story. But for those who are curious and want to collaborate and want to start a crew of their own or a collective and be successful, this is definitely the episode for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be a crew or collective with music. But you can definitely apply their example as a music experience company to your own walk, whether you want to do a community advocacy group, whether you want to be a mental um, a mental health advocate group, whether you want to link up with business or um, uh, or or other forms of uh, creative artistry. So it's a it's a pretty their model is pretty it's applicable to everything. So um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about all of the gems that Wiz was dropping you'll you'll definitely get to know every member and you'll see exactly what I mean by the time this episode is done but I will let them go ahead and take it from here here's my interview with the world famous honor roll crew my name is 108k um formerly the freshman in the honor roll but like that was you know what I mean that was a while ago it <laughs> was a while ago we, we celebrated our um our 10 year anniversary recently so you feel me like not in ninth grade no more What's up? It's the cool college scholar, you know, uh, fresh coasting all day. Trackademics in the house, a friend of the show, for a long time. Yeah. What's up? This is Mac Wiz, aka Too Sharp, aka Yo Partner Wiz, aka Mouth Almighty, aka <laughs> East Oakland Zone on the microphone. A.K.A. Uncle Tony, yeah, yeah. A.K.A. Visionary to the spiritual homegirl, um, and I am one of the co-founders with these guys of the Honor Roll Crew. 
HNRL. I'm really glad you explained the, the co-founder position. How exactly did the honor roll crew start? What was going on? What was the year? What were the circumstances? I want to answer. I want to answer. Uh, honor roll started in officially in 2005, but we all met prior to that. Um, so the longest relationship in the honor roll actually is myself and Josie Stingray uh, because we met in middle school and then amongst um other members the other longer relationships include uh trackademics and mike baker yeah. the bike maker and mox moore um they had you know they had already been rapping with each other prior to that but we've all been mostly in each other's lives for uh about 20 years um i know tap 10 who's also a founding member um we tap 10 myself trackademics mike baker moxie we all met at Youth Radio um, prior to forming the Honor Roll, and so we all just had an affinity for hip-hop, and we really loved uh, just music in general. And so yeah. we started working with each other. My brother, who was one of the founding members too, is, you know, he goes by Royal T, Tyrone. Um, he and I, have we had an ASR 10 at the time. When we met these guys, in particular Trackademics, like he was making beats on – Mario Paint. <laughs> yes. Real talk. Yeah. Mario Paint. Video game status. Super Nintendo. You know what I'm saying? Making beats on karaoke machines, Casio keyboards, Super Nintendo. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was making. I mean, he was recreating. This story's been told before on other podcasts and in other interviews, but he was actually recreating Bay Area classic songs. You know, he's remaking like you know, game recognized game um, by JT the bigger figure in Mario Paint. You know, um, and so then he and my brother start working together. He start learning how to use the ASR10 yeah. for my brother. So even though he already knew how to produce, he learned how to use that particular machine uh, for my brother. And then uh, I met 108K when I was working for Youth Radio. He was chasing some girls outside of Youth Radio, and I pulled him in. I was like, "Hey, come here, man, check this out." And I pulled him into the studio, and his eyes lit up. He was like, man, and he he had been a part of Youth Radio since then. But I was making beats in the back, and you would come back there yeah. and just start rapping. Yeah, yeah. And you did it consecutively, like, for a couple of days. And then uh, sometime it passed in between then, and I think I had made, like, this Cassie remix or something. Uh, me and you, I did, like, a remix to me and you. In that, basically, Youth Radio, there was this back room where everybody was making beats. But it was really just one computer. Everybody had to wait their turn. And I would cut school. I would just be back there. Because he went to Berkeley High, which was down the street. Yeah, Yeah, it was down the street. Um, Youth Radio was on university in Berkeley. And uh, so, yeah, I was just making beats. And after some time, Wiz just asked me to, to be a part. I mean, this is after, like, a few rides in the legendary... Honda Accord, you know what I'm saying? Old school, right? The yeah. legendary green Honda Accord. He'd be playing. He'd be playing hella music. We'd just be talking about music. You know, give me rides back to the house. I think at the time I was living in the north. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, yeah. He asked me to be a part of this crew, and I ended up meeting Jason and and Mike Baker and Spanks and Tap. And I mean, I was a young guy and Josie, um, and Moxmore. Yep. And T. And T, yep. I mean, but my mom, and and was in the same apartments right, right. on Keller, yeah, yeah, um, up on the hill in the east, 
yeah. um, next to T. So, I, you know, I could walk to T's apartment. I remember walking down there. I think T had just got reason or one of y'all had reason on the laptop. I would just sit there and, like, make beats. Right. And, you know, it's funny because like, just to speak on it because I know, you you know, this is a, a worldwide podcast. Like, when he said the North, he means North Oakland. Yeah, I mean, North know, which is where Marshawn is from. East, Lynch I mean, is from. East, east, side east, east means East Oakland. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Keller is the hills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just so y'all know, we're very, you know we're from the town. One oh eight K and I. I don't know about none of that. I'm from Alameda, you know, <laughs> aka Rep- yeah, not shit. South Oakland. It's the tropics. Shout out to Mike Baker. You know what I'm saying? Rep- the island off the coast of the town. That's where I'm from. But just to backtrack real quick. Uh, backtrack real quick so all the people that he named you know spanks and josie and uh mike what happened was uh, around 2000 and the end of 2004 in 2005 like i really started to see that there was going to be some movement particularly in the bay area and i was like i want to make sure like we had always already worked together so like my brother and i had produced a song for what at the time was called Diverse Roots. That was the first group that one that uh, Trackademics and Mike Baker and Mox Moore was in. And I met Spanks because Spanks, Spanks, Spank Pops had really is a pillar in like the 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 Bay Area streetwear community. Like he he helped he worked at um, he worked at True. He helped build True East, which is in Walnut Creek, California. Um, if you went to go buy streetwear. Uh, Streetwear tea, like if you went to True, like you know Spanx. Like every rapper who's come up who's really into it, Spanx be like, yeah, they used to slide through all the time. Absolutely, and so we knew each other because we would meet. Because I would go to True and we would talk about music. We would bug out. Both Spanx and I being growing up in the hood and being those black dudes from the hood who are particularly always looking for something else. Like we we would basically just chop it up chop game he was really into like bjork and i was into bjork and we would just talk about all this kind of stuff and so i was like i want to get the best rappers from different parts of the bay area at the time and that was my whole idea you know of putting together the honor roll and i already was down with track and mike and i remember asking brandon who his beats were crazy at a young age i could see that he was basically a prodigy I just asked everybody, like, hey, we need to do this. We f- form a crew. You know what? I was actually going to ask you what was the vision. Because, you know, I call you visionary for a reason. Because you always seem to have a vision and you always seem to see it through. So I'm glad you explained that to me. But um, what's the full the full roster? Who's the full roster? Because I know we see the three of y'all a lot. Mm-hmm. And then you also, what, you have um, Mike Baker that's out in New York. And you have Tap, Tap. 10 in New York, too. And then you said Spank Pops is up in the Bay. So what's the who's like what's the full roster of the honor roll crew? Yeah, so full roster is, you know, um, you know, one oh eight K, Trackademics, um, Mox Moore, who uh, is kind of is a peripheral member now, you know, so he lives he li- he li- lives his life. Mike Baker, you know, um, DJ Tap Ten, Spank Pops, Josie Stingray, Royalty who's my brother, one half of the the Air Max, yeah, who yeah. we used to call back in the Foley artist was our first production team name. And then um, myself, Wiz, um, and also Star, who is a really an integral member of the modern the modern version of the honor roll. And, you know, LDs, LDs as well, too, whose project is coming out later this year. Um, he LDs is like our, our old dirty bastard. You know, he's very wild and hinge and crazy and... Yeah, over the years, everybody's asked to be in the honor roll, uh, just over the years. So 
you know, we have a lot of friends. We have a lot of friends. It, it's everybody from Flostradamus asked to be in the honor roll. Shout out to Flostradamus. Like, there's tons of people. Tons yeah, of I mean, people. we as a crew, like the hard crew, like mm-hmm. that. Those are the members gotcha. of the hard crew. But as a as an organization, a music organization or music company, as well, I like to call it, like not just record company, because we're not always putting out records. Like a music experience company, we, we have a lot of people who are just um, part of our, you know, part of our extended community, part yeah. of our extended network, and part of our story. Yeah. Going back, I want to I want to talk on the. The, the members um a little lighter for y'all who don't know ld's is freaking hilarious if you do not follow him please do come on you know what, you know I, what want. I want <laughs> so he's really he's really funny but going backwards for those who don't know what youth radio is could one of you guys explain what that is youth radio is a media organization and training facility for youth uh basically it's our home it's our family um We've uh we grew up there. I grew up there for sure. Uh, but yeah, they teach kids media skills. So, um, as Wiz would always say back in the day, make you um, uh, controllers of media and not consumers of media, or yeah. you know what I mean, something along that effect. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they teach kids how to make. Now they teach kids how to make beats, radio stories, uh, DJ, um, make um, videos, music videos, news, you know. Exposes and whatnot, and um, and yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's in yeah, Oakland, California. Yeah, at the time when we all met, it was in Berkeley. Yeah, we've all worked there. We all played there. Um, my ex girl, my you know, my first girlfriend was the reason I got there. It was you know, it was definitely coming to age, you know, socially and professionally. And there are a lot of other music yeah. professionals that have that had spawned. So like. You know the I am Sue and extended yeah. HBK members all came from there. Uh, Roach Giggs. Um, yeah. Who else? Uh, J. Who? Rayana J. Yeah, Rayana J. Also, um, Tia, no yeah, Tia No More came out of there. Shout out to Tia. Yeah, we also can't uh, forget the greatest rapper. In the world. <laughs> wow, Kool Aid D. Kool Aid D. Also yeah. from Alameda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see who else. Who else has come out of there? Um, I mean, just a lot of a lot of really, really, really talented probably, folks. You know, some members of the Wave Bros, Mel's Wave. Oh yeah. Uh, Cold Day. It's literally the center of a lot of you know Oakland Bay Area music scene. Like a lot of people have gone through there. Yeah, and with the advent of all day play, like the radio station, like it's DJs just had had shows there. And yeah, it's greater contribution also to the bay to the Bay Area and now the world at large is that um, as as Brandon said, like it really teaches young people at a very young age that they can be producers of media and not just passive consumers of it, and really producers of their own life and destiny, and not just passively having things happen to them and. Um, that you know, it it definitely changed all of our lives. Where it sits in Oakland right now is just you know, it's just the perfect place. It's a it's a part of the community. I remember when you know several waves of riots or you know police you know um, just shit getting crazy after demonstrations or protests. Two things would happen: like our windows would get bashed in, and the community would help fix it, or you know, they just wouldn't touch our shit. Also, like, you know, we're not part of that organization anymore. But as you can see, even when he's when he talks, he 
our and we and yeah. you know what I mean? It's it it was such a big part of our life that you know we still we still kind of see it as a, a home base and you know w when we're in town we might stop by and say hi and we still have several friends who are part of that organization they help run things and. Yeah. You know, uh, shout out Ben Frost, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Frosty Freeze. DJ Soleil. B Freeze from the North, you know what I'm saying? DJ Soleil. He he basically uh, is the person that helped engineer getting the production component, which spawned the careers of many rappers that have come out of there, you know what I mean? But yeah, like, even though we're not necessarily involved in the day-to-day -day of that organization, yeah. we still kind of... we. we we at we basically still see it in the light of being something that you know is a part of us. It was definitely, I mean, it's a place where like-minded individuals all went, and so like you know, Tap was in my core class, and so meeting Tap Ten, um, it was like four of us in one class, and Wiz being our peer teacher. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I know, I know for sure some of us would be working in you know, the media, music industries, but I don't, I don't know in the if it would be have panned out the same way. Right. I mean, yeah. for me, I am from East Oakland, California, and the time in particular in which I'm from East Oakland, there was a little bit more of a clear line delineation and if you were from a certain tax bracket of places that you would touch in the Bay Area mm -hmm. because you're from the hood. And, you know, you might not think you belong over here or belong over there. And from the moment I joined an organization, I was doing things and going places where typically I wasn't going because, you know, my parents were teen parents. They had me, you know, when I was born, I was brought back to Sabrani Park. That's like a notorious hood in Oakland. And then, uh, or excuse me, brought back to, to Brookfield. And my family was from Sabrani Park and Brookfield. And uh, as I got older, there were just things that I hadn't experienced um, that I started to experience when I was a part of that organization, you know, that, you know, as a person um, from that experience, it it definitely brought in my world, just even in just the Bay, like just to become friends with these guys yeah. and then learn about their life. And they were, you know, just miles from me in Alameda. Yep. It's a different world. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And I'm same. from the dubs in the town and like. That's it's like three just miles away. The bridge. It's three miles away. I could walk the there, bridge. Yeah. And it's, and it's totally a different. completely different world where they grew up. And that's also speaks to the honor roll. Like right. not everyone is from that experience, but it it informs how we kind of it informs our worldview. If it informs how we wanna um we wanna make music that everyone can enjoy because we are in just in our immediate group, there's a, a diversity in terms of life experience and a respect that a lot of times you don't necessarily have that, right? Like there, we, the honor roll is a place where we all kind of meet and have a core culture that is still informed by the other, the culture that we come from. And then the greater East Bay corridor, that's our experience too. I love hearing y'all talk about growing up and how different everyone is, but those differences is actually what makes honor roll so dope. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not a crew of just, a set people from you know from the east or from Alameda or from wherever it's different types of experiences so how'd y'all set this up was it like a situation where you know again visionary saying okay I'm gonna basically co-found this and I have this type of vision and these are the roles you're gonna play or was it kind of just everyone had different talents and you said oh okay well this can function and you know was it like a designated role or I mean everybody I mean Trackademics was always a producer. He was always making beats, and he had already worked on with this smaller group called the Boys in Black. Ah. And then he he had already started producing yeah. for um, 
for Mr. FAB. So a lot of people, you know, if you don't know, like he produced half of, you know, Son of a Pimp, yeah. which is Mr. FAB's first album yeah. that everyone knows, New Oakland. Now it's become the long tail of that song is amazing because it was yeah. it was my song when it came out. Like if being from the town, like I used to drive around Oakland listening to that stupid loud in the green in the green Honda, like, what, Oakland, what? You know what I'm saying? The Black Joy Parade today, I saw it in someone's snap. And now, when we play it in the Bay, you feel me, like, everybody in the Bay knows the song and goes stupid to it. Like, he could do a music video for that today and people would love it. Yeah, that project, yeah, that project, I definitely... Yeah, and even though he didn't produce that song, he produced half that album, and so I knew that, you know, we had a core producer. I was listening to 108K's beats that he was doing early, and I knew he had... A very special touch. He was doing a very particular type of production that is very rare when you come from Oakland because we have a we have a certain swing, right? And yeah. he had this really agnostic hip hop swing to his beats that is really hard to find. It was some it was it was it was beat making, it was boom bap, but mm. informed by the church and informed by the town, which is like rare. You know what I mean? Prior to that, you know what I'm saying, really Hyro. Yeah. Are the only folks who were doing that, and my brother and I. My brother and I loved, you know, East Coast rap, and we tr- we tried, not tried. We that's w- how we learned how to make beat. Listen to Dilla, rest in peace. Listen to Tribe Called Quest. You know what I mean? So it's, it's real. And just a quick background on me, where I meet them is, you know, at s- s- 17, 18, and you know, I'm still I'm in the jazz band. I'm in the jazz ensemble at Berkeley High playing drums. I'm in my choir at church and my church was kind of a big deal in in Oakland shout out Love Center Ministries East Oakland you know what I'm saying like 105th and International before that Camden you feel me like <laughs> like our our churches were always in the hood and and music was at the was at the core like I always call it it was like Black Juilliard you know what I'm saying just like being being around seasoned veteran touring musicians and artists that's how I grew up so coming 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 from that but then like i think where we meet on you know so we always meet in the middle about you know soul music and hip-hop music because of what you talk about like that that particular swing and just you know i'm a drummer so um i gravitated towards some of that stuff and jason always laughs at my musical um at my favorite albums but some of them overlap, you know what I'm saying? Favorite albums, favorite movies. So these are my brothers. I'm just blessed to have met these guys at that time because um, I would always been doing music, you know? I think that's something you probably said to me a couple of years ago. Like, you know, had they not met me, I'd still be doing music. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Which is all of us, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely all of us. And But, the, but the, the conversations we had and the places that we went, and the and the and the music that we listen to. I remember Wiz used to he used to be geeked off an artist from an article. This is before, you know what I'm saying? The internet is what it is now where, you know, just just music just coming at you in all these angles like I can't remember what group it was, but you were like geek from the fader from a fader article about some group, man. And you know, fools were still going to Amoeba and Rasputin to like pick up records and shit. And so that whole experience as a teenager, you know, made made me step my game up from music. I was already, like he said, I was already kind of making shit that was standing out. And then after that, you know, 
shit, I mean, I feel like I can make any type of music. I feel like we make all types of different music and serve different platforms. And, you know, it's just a beautiful thing, man. And then for everybody else, you know, Spanx, he being from San Francisco, you know, which is, and I say this all the time, and people kind of get confused about it, but San Francisco, San Francisco, the city of San Francisco is one of the most um, kind of, a, I would say, underrepresented, misrepresented, um, or least understood cities in terms of hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it has great artists and has artists with big hits, like, you know, like, um, you know, Rapping Fote or whatever, but I still think it's a city that needs more credit and needs more due. In terms of hip hop, and Spanx has a particular understanding of the world of music and hip hop at large, in particular, and his own city where he comes from. Yeah. And I knew that in all the conversations I had with him, and at that time, what his aspirations were for the kind of rap music he wanted to make. So I, that was important to me. DJ Tap Ten is, you know, one of my best friends in the world. My brother from another motherland, and we, you know, we went to college together. We're roommates in college, and uh, we would always talk about music and. And, you know, in, in college, people knew that my, you know, my extensive knowledge of music and how my hunger for information, especially in music. But I, I didn't know anybody else who knew as much about black music um, than a couple other people in my life, but mostly tap. I mean, he loves he loves black music. And, you know, he grew up in an in, in a Indian family. His family's from Gujarat. Um, he's to, to, I literally hours ago I was speaking to a person who is a known DJ here in Los Angeles and I was like you know te- I was like he's one of my favorite he's he's probably my favorite DJ and the guy goes yeah I I heard that I hear that a lot a lot of DJs tell me that you know what I'm saying yeah, DJ's favorite DJ yeah he's he, he's you know and what's funny is it's not that he's the DJ's favorite DJ he's everyone's favorite DJ when no. they hear him yeah. like he has a, a style and ability to DJ for the layman and for the professional Ooh, and both okay. the layman and the professional leaves that experience like wow you know every time he djs there's at least three people that come up to the table and say what song was that you know what i mean or just, uh, i've seen people realize they're having more fun than they thought while he was djing you know yeah, without hearing the song they might have asked him to play exactly yeah you know what i'm <laughs> no. saying right. like he basically can turn the party upside down and mm-hmm. then also you know he just has a love for music and that you know, having that similar affinity, that w- that's what informed, okay, he's going to be part of this as well. You know, Josie Stingray is somebody I've known since we were literally kids. Like, we were literally kids, and she is from my earliest days of me trying to reach for the kind of things that we do now. So, like, she's been in my life since I started writing graffiti. Um, she's been, and she wrote graffiti too, and she's, she's, been in my life when um you know i started to get more serious about rapping and trying to do music and she rapped and i would spar with her and say you know what i mean like i was we we had that kind of relationship early on where i'd be like you man bust your rap don't be scared you know what i mean like i've seen her from when she was nervous to rap for just me to like rapping in front of crowds of people you know bars and say with her is bars yeah 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 like there's there's it's hard to emphasize i was listening to some uh mike baker's album last week and she comes on it's under it it's i'm telling you she has more bars his last album then yeah she has more bars than everybody like there's so i mean you know 
Shit, not crazy. me. I, I was she, waiting. I, I was like, battle, you know like, what I'm saying? What's up? Waiting you know for the rapper to. Uh, always, you know I was waiting for the rapper I'm always to gonna, retort. I'm always but gonna yes, say what? What you Josie, want? You want to battle? There's people. She has a diehard. <laughs> she has a diehard. She gonna be mad. Group she of individuals who are waiting. You know, they always be like, "What's up with Josie?" Yeah. So everybody is involved. You know, uh, Moxmore, lyrical monster. You know what I'm saying? So we had all the different parts just from me being a rap nerd. You know what I'm superhuman hip hop head and understanding crews and the different people, pieces of the crew that were important. And I'm talking about from, you know what I'm saying, all the way back to, you know, uh, the Juice Crew and all those kind of people up through the Wu Tangs and Hieroglyphics. Shout out to Tab 10. Like we both, in turn, I know you had Tajay, you know what I'm saying, on your show, like uh, the OG, as you called him. Like, you know, he's truly my OG too. Like I was an intern at Hyro. You know what I'm saying? Like I was in there oh, moving them boxes, no. and you know what I mean. Like, and that was big for me. He came and spoke at San Francisco State when I was a TA in the hip hop class, and you know, having him know, being able to say I know him, still is one of the joys of my life. Yo, same here. For because real. like as a kid from East Oakland, that at the time you were forced to choose, kind not forced to choose, but like if you were not trying to be super thugged out or on some, you know what I'm saying, some hood shit at the time, like there wasn't a lot of. Um, things that you would see that reflected back to you that you were like not making those choices right and uh, I mean I love my background and where I come from and being from the hood but I knew that I needed to seek something else right and so to see him come on the screen and be like we hailing from East Oakland California and have the silence they have and be the way that they were and you know what I'm saying? And even Dale before him, because again, like I, I point even far back, farther back to Dale. You know what I'm saying? Dale was the really the first person where I would listen to Ice Cube albums, and I in my mind be like, oh, he's from Oakland, like, but he's different from Ice Cube. And you know what I mean? Like, and it, when his album came out, I, I would just see how he was carrying himself and how he was making music, and I understood it was different from Short, which at the time was my was Short has always been my shit. Like my aunt introduced me to Short's music. You know what I'm saying? And so like. I was like, there's a place for me in this world. You know what I mean? Through that. So it was a joy to be a part of them. And I, and when I started intern for them, shout out to Karen Deere who runs the Giant Peach because she actually uh, hired me to be an intern in Hyro. Uh, I walked in the door one day and Tap 10 was already in there interning. Yep. And I, even though we had met at Youth Radio, that was just mm -hmm. a surprise. And that's kind of, that's when I knew I was like, oh, this is a person who's going to be on this journey with me as well. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? They in turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, name a moment for me where you all realized that this, this group was going to work. You know, sometimes you band up and you link together and you're kind of just moving along and you're trying to figure it out. Man. But what was the moment where you're like, yo, this shit's going to work. This is going to work. Ooh, man. That's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to work or it's working. I know when I did the Tell Me When To Go remix and it's like you if something gets bigger than you even think it could be, you're like, oh, snap. You know, this we, we can do something with this. You know, like we can, we got to run behind this. I know that was a, a specific moment. And then it's one of those things where, you know, that leads to another opportunity, which leads to another opportunity, you know, Fool's Gold Records, you know, um, wanting to put music out and working with them and then i know for me personally a lot of it comes through the the musical friends that we've made over the years or that i've had been blessed to collaborate with you know like tedra moses you know before i ever met her it was like damn this is one of my favorite you know artists and 
she always cites the honor roll as being one of her, you know, favorite, you know, crews just because of everything that Wiz, Wiz was saying earlier about the vision of it. I knew it was going to work in April of 2005. In April of 2005, a vision that I had came to fruition because, um, and this is related to Fool's Gold and, and, and really Nick Cash Dubs. You know, I was a fan of Nick's Cap, Nick Cash Dubs, uh, excuse me, Nick Cash Dubs blog that he had before he worked for the Fader. I would just read his blog and read the rap music that he was talking about and mixtapes he was talking about and listen to his mixtapes. And Track and Mike were going to the Winter Music Conference and I knew that what Trackademics was producing on his own, some of the remixes that he was doing, that this guy would like it. And I was like, man, make sure you meet this dude. Make sure you give him your CD. And um, he apparently started working for the Fader at the time. So like, I remember he took the CD and he really, he really um, took to it and he asked to interview um, Track for the Fader. And then maybe a couple weeks later, Fader came out. Who was on the cover? Was it Manny Fresh? Somebody was on the cover of uh, of the Fader, and I, you know, I went and I, you know, I went from, you know, having my name in the Fader as an intern, probably three years prior to that, and no longer knowing anybody part of that organization, to like something I had worked on, in terms of being like, I know that this music can go out into the world and affect people that have nothing to do with us that that happened, that that took place. And because then all of a sudden he, he, Trackademics was in the fader, you know what I'm saying? And then he played a song that Trackademics, a lot of people don't, so even though, you know, I, I'm involved and maybe there's some songs for folks hear me on, like there's a song that I, that he produced for me particular that um, that then Catch played it on um, on the let out, mm -hmm. on, uh, on the fader had a radio, they had a radio show. And I was just hearing the it was just a culmination of things you know him being in the fader hearing songs coming out of the radio people listening to the tell me when to go remix people trying to get to brandon trying to get beats from him and you could just see the perfect storm storm and culmination of you know something is happening here that's when i knew it was working april 2005 and from april 2005 on none of our not lives have actually been the same you know what i mean like uh, at to some degree, whether it took other people to kind of come around to say, oh, this is all there, this is happening. You know what I mean? Like, that's when I knew yeah. this is working. Yeah, This is working. Now, at what level? At different levels? You know what I'm saying? Definitely it took people different. Yeah, it took yeah. people different levels because we've been at it since that time. And, you know, this none of this has happened overnight. You know what I'm saying? Like, at all, by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm sure for some people were like, oh, we didn't know y'all back then. But you know us now. Right. Huh? Exactly. That's it. So yeah, I, I can't emphasize what that song with Josie Stingray called "Doing My Thing" did for me because it, the song, the beat manifested from me going out with these guys, sneaking in the fucking milk on Hay Street, and or like going places and or riding with Wiz and listening to all types of house music. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think. You know, you guys are the first people to put me on, like, Bugs in the Attic and, and um, you know, just a bunch of two-step 
you know, songs. And so I, I shifted, like my, my, my ear started to shift from, like he said, like the hip hop music that I was making or just sampling and making hip hop shit into making, you know, forms of dance music that were true to me. In comes this beat I made, you know what I'm saying? And I just gave it, I, I don't know who I gave I don't even know. I gave it to Josie or who gave it to Josie, but once the song came out and and I was like, oh. What's her name got on it? Uh, yeah, Miss Jack, Jack Davey. Davey yep. Brianna, shout out to to Brianna, uh, one half of Jay Davey, which is one of the groups that changed my life. I could go on and on about that music. Um, yeah, shout out Jay Davey, man. They The world is on, on the planet that they landed on first. Straight up. Straight up. It's real. Um, and so... The shit got in the fader, and I, and the fader was less of a thing for me because I'm always excited. Once the song is completed, I'm like, oh shit! Like this song is tight. People are experiencing it uh, in different ways. We were performing it out because at that time, Jay was hot. You know what I'm saying? And so he he let um, the rest of the crew rock with him uh, on shows that they would book him for. So, and that's when I knew it was gonna work because any idea we came up with was gonna work. You know, it's funny. We all keep bringing up the fader. I was super juiced. I know. Yeah. Just the pub. It just would help people see what we're what we're working, you know, working with. It was definitely the magazine. It's funny because it's still it's still like that. Yeah. I can relate, especially like when you physically see that somebody other than yourself is low key helping push you. It does make shit very real. So I can I can understand that. OK, so for the second time, I know what's what. 17 minutes left. I got like seven questions that I have to ask. So everyone has a particular question, and then there's three that anybody can jump in on. Cool? All right. So um, Trackademics, um, I understand that, you know, you were making you were making songs in, you said Mario? Mario Paint? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so explain to me where you just decided, you know, you know what, I may not have, like, a software, like a logic or a reason back then, and I'm just going to do this shit on paint. Like, what, like, how was that for you? Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, I, I liken it to kids downloading FL Studio. You know, it's like this. What I this is what I have, and I just I needed. I had a Casio keyboard, a karaoke machine, and Mario Paint on Super Nintendo, and I was like, I just want to make music. I used to record on cassettes, you know, and and overdub on you know on the different sides of the cassettes or, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you just gotta use what you have straight up and then i remember saving all my money to get an actual keyboard um but yeah like the barrier to entry back in the day was way higher than it is today but that's how much i wanted to express myself making music i feel it now wiz for those who well for those who don't know i call wiz my visionary because like i said he always has these visions and he he thinks um outside of the box and he always has a scope on things that um, people don't necessarily see on the surface. He, he always gets to the bottom of things. So for those who are trying to start a crew with, what advice would you give them? Begin. <laughs> that's my, that's my <laughs> big advice. Like, I mean, it really about if you're trying to start anything. I mean, just just start. I mean, if you wanted to really like the minutia of it, hopefully you understand how important collaboration is. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to start a crew, like, Hopefully you want to work with other people, you know, and you need to be a good judge and good read of people, you know, because the truth is like everybody might not be ready to go on a journey with you. You know what I mean? And honestly, like 
um, you got to make sure that you're going to be working with people who want to go on that journey with you and they're prepared to make space for other people as well too you know art is a particular thing and how people make art is a very particular thing like it's a very self-serving thing right. you know I think that it came easy to me because I'm and we talk about this all the time I'm an Aries like right I'm hey. a communicator hey what's up with it hey, up, okay and um you know we're communicators it's easy for us, for us to work with people but in particular I one of my favorite basketball players um actually two of my favorite basketball players play on the same team you know so it's no surprise of course that I root for the Warriors and no surprise that I love Steph Curry and I love Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was probably one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player before he came to the Warriors. But to be what they are now, you have to take people who have tremendous egos and then say, I'm making space for you. You know what I'm saying? And like you really have to make space for people, especially because especially if they're really, really good. You know what I mean? And so hopefully that person understands that it's important to make space for people and give them their time. When it's their time to shine, like you let them shine and you and you, you know, you you can you can push them and your will to lead has to be constant if you are gonna be the leader of that. Your will to lead has to has to be constant. So when it's time to have hard hard conversations, like have those conversations. Um, and when it's time to um, let other voices lead, then let those voices lead. But yeah, it, the will to lead is is something that has to be constant. One hundred eight K. Yes. How important with you being the baby of the group? How important was mentorship to you? Oh man, I mean these are my these are my big brothers, and but they also. They also respected me musically, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I would want to add that, you know, in some ways these were my mentors, but in a lot of ways we all experienced these things together. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's been a wild ride, but yeah, like we learned together and we stayed together, which is great. It's hard, yeah. Managing the crew is uh, really interesting. It's like knowing when it's like it's time for this person. It's time for you know just in the music. It last you know last few years it's been like one hundred eight k. It's time, you know, um, because shoot, it was my time for a very long time. Um, you know, when we're working on Mike Baker, it's like knowing when to shift gears and and come around a project and and really even deciding what those are going to be or when the people decide what that is you know mobilizing around that and so yeah i mean it definitely is it's about managing egos and all that stuff too um i think i mentioned your comment about what you were saying about dealing with agreements oh and, yeah, yeah oh yeah how how do we how do we survive like how do we yeah yeah, yeah. okay it it goes back to this African proverb, like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, yeah. you know? Like, I've tweeted that out before. It's something that my younger brother, Mansi, you know, shout out Mansi, also extended extended family member, actual family member. Um, he always adheres to that as well, too. Like, we are still around working in this capacity because we've had each other, and also there are several people who were popping when we started way more popping that they're just nearly not around anymore 
Like they didn't have a community to bounce things off of. They didn't have anyone to hold them up when things was kind of slow. And you know what I'm saying? Quote unquote, real life shit was going on. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we have always had through thick and thin, thick and thin. And, you know, even when times are super tough, you know what I mean? And um, I feel like it's been really important and a really important part of what we do to make sure that we are all still around. You know what I mean? Because rap music has changed a lot but music in general has changed a lot like when we started there was no twitter you know what i'm saying like none of these platforms existed online people didn't communicate with music like that it was myspace was popping like you know what i'm saying but through us like learning and being patient with each other and taking our time still believing in what our goals are that's what's kept us going strong Definitely, definitely. For the three of y'all, can y'all each explain to me what authenticity is to you? I, I got to know. Because most of y'all, I mean, you guys have maintained, you know, oh. always doing your thing and always remaining true, you know, regardless of trends and things like that. Like your last album was R&B. It wasn't, I mean, I'm not going to name call, but it was like a trappy, I'm finna steal your girl and I'm a savage kind of R&B. You know what I mean? Like it was really just pure R&B. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then, you know, Panda... Trackademics, you know, he always, he's so versatile. Like, he can make, you know, a beat with slaps, and then he can turn around and make something like a you and I that had me crying at my desk at work mm. by Rainy Milo, like, hey. four months <laughs> ago. So, like, what does that mean to be authentic in a environment that, you know, it just kind of seems kind of cookie cutter at times? Yeah. I'm just from a place where you get outed if you're not authentic. You know what I'm saying? Like, so whatever I do has to be a part of me. That's really it. I'm I'm authentic in the music because I don't really know any other way to do it. Like I, you know, I just got to keep it funky. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. For me, I don't want to communicate anybody else's message. I really just want to, you know, it's a certain way I see things, certain point of view, and I want I want that to shine through. And yeah, I, other people can do those other things way better than I can, but I can do what I do very well. I think, I mean, like like B said, I think we're from a environment in our terms of our locality where it's easy for people to feel comfortable in their own skin, no matter what they come from. So, like, if no matter the race, religion, creed, color, sexual orientation, like, the being from the Bay Area, being from that East Bay corridor, being from the town in Alameda and all these places, it informs what we do in such that we've always felt it was comfortable to be us. The world's kind of seeing that now because of, you know, what's in popular culture, Black Panther and all these, you know, where they people hear someone like Ryan Cooler speak and they're like, oh, man, you know, like this dude is a filmmaker, but he sound like he off the block. And, you know, it's just we are unmistakably us. So maybe we just don't know how to be inauthentic in that way you know what i'm saying and you ask what but being authentic means and i we just live in it like you know what i'm saying i'll never brag how real i keep it it's the best secret yeah hey real talk man word to nas you know what i'm saying and the last question what is the ultimate goal what do you guys want to do with the music experience company that is the honor roll crew the accolades and the tours and the you know what i'm saying for as long as I can do it, I want to do it, and I want it to be recognized, and I want it to be celebrated. And so the success 
comes when you're doing the best, the best you're making the best product you can make. Right. I mean, I'd answer that is to um, to participate and perform passionately and produce our passion to a point at which it also produces a profit and allows us to prosper and it's a lot of peace, P. make sure that we can also purposefully <laughs> live and provide pa- positively. Positively. I like You're so dope, Will. Make popping music people will play. Yeah, I think the music is just, this music experience is an extension of us, but again, you know, that's what we do. So it's, we're doing it now, you know. We, we basically make music and make music experiences, be it through, you know, um, be it through putting out the music, you know, Tap 10 um, and Mike, uh, Tap 10 and like Darling Chuck in New York doing FOMO with Yellow Kell, the album we're about to put out with LDs and Mike Baker, album we put out from Sadiq, um, you know, when you go see Trackademics DJ, it's like, if that part of your life, if you're looking to have and experience with music in that part of your life and it's coming from us, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna fill your life with joy, right? right. Um, and so we're always gonna provide that for the people in whatever form. So it's gonna come from, you know, uh, in the form of a, of, of a in physical space, in the form of a party or a performance. It's gonna come from a platform and particularly, you know, one of the streaming platforms is gonna yeah. come in terms of visual element, come from a, a music video, you know, or it's gonna come from watching a television show and seeing, you know, LD's song on the shy or seeing, you know, Lost and Found on Black Lightning and so, or you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that that would be that would be it. That's what we're, we're trying to do. That's what we're doing. Keyword, not trying, doing. Yeah. So what projects do you have going on or, you know, is there anything else that you want the world to know about the world famous honor roll crew? Uh so coming up this year we have an album from Mike Baker. Um, we also have the MacArthur Maze Part 2 that's coming from LD's. That's going to be his album that he's going to be dropping. Um, and then also we have uh, the follow-up to both these guys' first EP, collaborative EP together. So they work together under the moniker of two-player co-op. Um, and so they have a project called New Game that's going to be coming out. Um, and so and the first single is going to be called Starlight, which is going to be out real soon and then um we just continue to to put you know put you know 108k's hard at work on his follow-up yep. you know trackademics is always producing for people so yeah we're just gonna be continuing to put music out where can people find you all 108k all day is the um, the handle for everything twitter soundcloud ig uh 108k all all day that's the number one oak as in oakland all day me, uh, Trackademics, T-R-A-C-K-A-D-E-M-I-C-K-S, at, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, um, and whatever else is going to pop up. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm Wiz, uh, Wiz Ward on Twitter, but my handle is Yo Potna Wiz, so Y-O-P-O-T-N-A-W-H-I-Z, so that's Wiz, W-H-I-Z, so Y-O-P-O. T N A W H I Z, that's Yo Partner Wiz, uh, on Twitter, and then It's Wiz on Instagram. So I T S W H I Z, but the crew at large um, on 
on Twitter, it's uh, HNRL Crew. And then also on IG, it's HNRL Crew. So H-N-R-L-C-R-E-W on both of those platforms. All right. And y'all heard it here. The world famous honor roll crew. And that was this week's episode with the world famous honor roll crew. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you guys are inspired to start your own crews and your own collectives and really make an impact in the world um, based with some of the things that they may have told you. As they said previously, you know how to reach all of them. Um, they're they're pretty responsive and they're very they're great people. Great people, good hearts, good intentions. And I, like I said, am honored to have been able to know them all as well as being able to interview them as well as have their um, their support with respect to Spiritual Homegirl. I don't know if they really know how grateful I am for them um, as people as well as friends of the show. But I can't even put the gratitude into words. So thank you, uh, Wiz and Trackademics and 108K. I really thank, thank y'all for all of the support. Um, that you guys have given to the show, as well as being my guest this week. Thank y'all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I told you how to, um, how to reach me on social media a little earlier before the interview. Um, don't forget to get your tickets to Make Peace with the Day, as well as Yoga 101. That's coming up on the 24th of March. Me and my girl Dre from Miniature Yogi will be partnering back up to do a one-hour power vinyasa flow. So get ready to stretch. When you get here. So um, it'll be a Cosmic Energy Fitness Studio. Super excited. Um, all of the attendees will get a Sun Moon Ascendant reading astrology from me. If you've, got, if you've done this already, then we'll move forward to your Mercury, Mars, and Venus. So yeah, we'll be moving through your chart if you've gone to a previous Yoga 101 event. And there'll be some snacks, you know, afterwards. And what else is going on? Oh, Veggie Connection Nights is coming up on March 10th, which is two weeks before Yoga 101, one week after this upcoming workshop would make peace with the day. That's going to be at the Smyrna Community Center from 7 to 10. Um, I'm partnering up with Latifah Smith from the Veggie Connection and Sasha Campbell Garbett from Life and Light Wellness. It's going to be a great, clean, plant-based turnip. DJ Ahmad from Afro Mentals is on the ones and twos, along with some other musical guests. Um... If y'all haven't heard DJ Ahmad spin, um, you're definitely missing out on something important in life. I'm a music head, and DJ Ahmad is one of my favorite DJs. So to know that he's going to be spinning this event is, man, I'm super excited. Even more exciting is the food vendors. The Veggie Connection has the best plant-based food vendors at any event I've ever gone to. It's a lot of versatility, a lot of different flavors, and they don't hit Yo, pockets too hard. Because if it's one thing I don't like doing as a person who likes to cook three to five times out the week is pay a whole bunch of money for food. But their food is banging. All the vendors, I've never tried a vendor that I didn't like. So definitely fall through. Won't be any liquor because um you don't need liquor to turn up. But there will be some kombucha that will be there. Um, my girl Ecliptic, my girl Crystal from Ecliptic Kombucha, that's my uh favorite kombucha ever. She's going to be there. So I'll be bringing my bottles to fill up. So if you have some growler bottles that you want to fill up for your kombucha at the Veggie Connection Nights event, definitely bring them because Crystal's, Crystal's kombucha is special. I know she just came from, I think, uh, Kombucha Con out in California. So shout out to Crystal. And is there anything else that's going on? Hmm. Yes. There's, I'm really excited because 
there's an interview that I have coming up with a really awesome, beautiful, fabulous, fit, plant-based elder that will happen sooner than later. And if you have any questions for her, definitely hit me up about it. If there's any type of questions about plant-based living, how to age gracefully, how to keep looking good, any type of changes to make in your life to look good or to feel good as you get older, definitely hit me up. This is going to be a really good example to pull from. I'm telling you, like, trust me on this. I don't want to say any more details other than that, but this is definitely an example. I know you got to figure it out on your own, but if you needed a map or a blueprint or an example, this going to be the one. <laughs> so definitely um, shoot your questions to me again, like I said, through spiritualhomegirl.com, or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Spiritual Homegirl, and Twitter at Spirit Homegirl. So another thing about social media, right? I don't know if it is all of the watery energy with the planets or the transits or whatever, but I'm realizing social media is becoming more and more of a farce. And when I say more and more of a farce, I mean with respect to the platform itself, not necessarily the people. I mean, that's kind of a given. We already know people are going to put their best foot forward. Nobody's going to show their struggles, their bad days, flex, whatever. That's, I mean, we've already went over that multiple times. But the platforms themselves are becoming a little bit problematic. I'm realizing the algorithms are set up to where if you have something you want to share, they're not doing it in chronological order, which is a, a method that I really miss because I like being able to catch up in order of things. I've been seeing posts from five days ago, not realizing that folks done posted three days ago, one day ago, four hours ago, and I'm missing those too. So that's my first issue with um, how the how the social media platforms are being set up, especially with Instagram in particular. I'm also noticing that Granted, they realized that too many people have made money off of their platform for free. And I understand that. So now you have all these people with millions of followers or they are able to make successful six-figure, seven-figure businesses off of Instagram's old algorithm without giving them any kind of platform, um, any kind of money to their platform. And Facebook and Instagram want their money. So I'm noticing that this algorithm, it looks like it's more so designed to make sure that those who need to be able to push products and promote things need to give them their money first before I do anything. And with me being a person that has things that I want to do, whether free or paid, whether it's events or merchandise or overall awareness about certain things, I just don't want my reach to be dictated by social media like that. Um, at least not the majority of the time. I think it's great. It's a great tool, but I think the way it's moving, it's not really beneficial for myself or for you all. And that's, you know, with Spiritual Homegirl, I know there's lots of businesses that I've had to turn post notifications on so I don't miss their posts. And even friends that I don't want to miss their posts because the algorithm has me missing things that I would really like to see. I want to see content from my favorites. So there's ways we can combat this. If you don't want to miss anything from me, make sure you turn your post notifications on so that you don't miss any type of uh, post or anything that I have going on. And also, don't forget to sign up for spiritualhomegirl.com. I think I'm going to start making more use of that with respect to reaching out to you all, whether it's texting, whether it's emailing. Um, I just don't want to feel like I have to pay Instagram in order to talk to y'all. <laughs> like, it's weird. Even if it's something like, hey, I hope y'all day was good. Hit me up. Let me know how you doing. Peace. Like the algorithm will legit gridlock that. And out of the 6,000 people that follow me, it'll be like 300 that see it. And I'm like, okay, 
Facebook and Instagram doing the most. And I'm not about to be paying out the yang for ads to tell y'all that I care about y'all. And I hope y'all doing well. So I think it's time for me to start moving gears very soon. Once I get that move figured out, I will definitely let y'all know. Y'all will always be the first to know. But um, social media is becoming a bit of a nuisance. So I said at least wanted to give y'all a heads up. But that is about it. This has been another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl. My name is Maria. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace.